Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning. Good morning, you all. Um, It's great to be back after two weeks that we were uh, out of uh, live shows uh, celebrating the uh, American uh, Day of Independence last week. Uh, We are today extremely excited being here with you. We have a special two-hour show uh, celebrating the uh, Calgary Stampede. Uh, If you don't know, the Calgary Stampede is the greatest outdoor show on earth. And we're broadcasting live from Vagabond Calgary Restaurant with our live audience and uh, just across from the Stampede entrance. Um, As I mentioned, uh, this is going to be a special episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, Not just celebrating the Calgary Stampede, but more important, um, in the spirit of Calgary as a a city and the Stampede, we have five local businesses um, that are led by entrepreneurs uh, supporting a local charity, important charity called Project Warmth Society. The local businesses that are hosting, uh, of course, is uh, our host here that uh, Vagabond Calgary Restaurant that were kind enough to share with us, to give us the space in their uh, restaurant. Uh, Village Brewery, Rosso Coffee Roasters, Barking Street Real Estate, and Triumph Real Estate Investment Fund. The reason we call this broadcast the six-pack supporting Project Warmth is simple. Our sixth member is voiceamerica.com that has allowed us to have a two-hour show, and I will explain in a few minutes. Uh, We'll be serving breakfast to all restaurant guests, and proceeds will go to our chosen charity, Project Warmth Society. Uh, So if you're in Calgary, come join us, help support this great cause and great uh, charity. Um, To our listeners all over the globe, and now we have listeners from uh, 40 countries and six continents, if you haven't visited the Calgary Stampede, uh, you better dust your boots, put on your jeans, and join the greatest outdoor show on earth. Um, If you're looking for another reason to visit us during Calgary Stampede, our provincial government has allowed all liquor licenses establishment to sell liquor from 8 a.m. to, is it 2 a.m. or 3 a.m.? 2 a.m. Well, you can drink till three, serve, start stuff too. And uh, since Village Brewery is one of our supporters today, it is 8 a.m. here in Calgary, and uh, we should uh, probably be drinking very soon. So uh, we'll have a cheers when we start drinking. Um, our, our guest today, uh, my guest today, is uh, and, and our host is uh, Darren Moulds, the owner of uh, Vagabond Calgary. Uh, good morning, Darren. Good morning. Uh, thank you for hosting uh, our, our show, Taking Care of Business uh, at uh, Vagabond uh, Restaurant. Uh, and uh, we appreciate your willingness to kind of support the charity that we chose. Uh, I know it's, uh, it's a very important cause, especially for Calgarians as the winter is, you know, around the corner. And today is a perfect example with all the rain we have uh, and 13 degrees, 54 uh, Fahrenheit. Um, I got to know you a couple of weeks ago as the owner of Vagabond Calgary Restaurant. However, we do research before we come and interview people. <laughs> and uh, I found out that this is a cover-up. 
And I found out on your LinkedIn page that you are now, at least currently, CFO of at least four oil and gas companies. I think it hasn't been updated correctly, but yes, I I do help out on a a few projects from time to time. Uh, To mention a few is uh, PetroPhoenix, TransEuro Energy, Horizon Petroleum, and uh, Sonoro Energy. Um, those are four that I found. Maybe uh, you know, maybe there are more, but we'll discuss it probably later. Uh, maybe also through our questions, we'll find out. Uh, you know, between vagabond and oil and gas, where is your passion? Is it a hobby? Is it a passion? Where is the future uh, holding for uh, Darren and uh, your next ventures? Um, and, and the one common thing that I see with entrepreneurs is they never start with their bio with like where they are from what they've done before it's always <laughs> after they graduate so for me you you were born after you were graduated from university of saskatoon uh i think you got a degree in uh commerce yeah bachelor of commerce bachelor of US, commerce yeah. yeah ufs so let's go back a few years and where were you born where are you from in saskatoon so Born and raised uh, in Saskatoon, went to U of S and uh, lived there until I graduated from university. I see. And uh, in Saskatoon, uh, you know, Saskatoon was a small place. Uh, it, yeah, 15, I mean, rel- 20, 40 years ago. <laughs> relatively small. Uh, as far as Saskatchewan goes, it was one of the bigger cities, but uh, definitely having moved around it, uh, and going back to visit, it seems quite small, but uh, it was a great place to, to grow up. So let's talk about growing up. What kind of a kid were you? Yeah, like were you hyper? Were you like you know into books? Were you? Uh, well, it doesn't show now because I've put on so much weight from owning a bar. Um, <laughs> but I uh, played a lot of sports, a lot of basketball, um, a lot of uh, baseball as well. Um, tried to be active, but those days are long gone now. <laughs> you say basketball? That was your chosen sport? Yeah, for sure. My dad always played. Um, so growing up watching him, it was one of those things. You know, if your dad does it, you kind of do it. Um, and so I was always at, at the court with him. Um, so I just kind of. What what position did you play? Oh, it depended. Uh, I guess on what age I was, it was all over the map. Mostly, mostly point guard, I guess. Point guard, I see. So, um, you know, I come from a basketball background myself. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I was a GM and president of a professional basketball in, in Israel before we immigrated. Well, let's cut the show up. Let's just go play some hoops somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how it works. You are a lousy player, so you become management. That's right. <laughs> so I guess you, 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 you're a good player because you didn't uh, manage a basketball team. Yeah. Uh, did you also play through high school and university? or No, just through high school. Uh, stopped there. Um, I was too busy doing other things after high school. Oh, so what, what was the extra curriculum that you did? Uh, were you an entrepreneur at, uh, at a young age? Well, a little bit. Um, there were some things that we probably can't talk about on the air that I was doing, but um, they were always fun. Uh, it wasn't illegal. It was just something we won't talk about. Uh, but I, I, I was like working. Uh, I was working probably two jobs as I was going to university as well. So uh, focusing on, on that, I've always been obsessed with trying to make more money. You know, I see. The little things. That's good. Is is it? Does it run in a family? Brothers, sisters, parents? Are they entrepreneurs or they were a little bit scared when you said I'm going to be an entrepreneur? I don't think they they would say they were scared of it, but it, it I don't it didn't come from them. I don't think uh, my dad had a career with uh, Greyhound for I don't know thirty odd years, um, so that I mean that was obviously working a, a steady steady job uh, for my whole growing up life. Um, yeah, my sister's a school teacher um, in, in Saskatchewan still. So, I mean, that's 
more of a stable thing as well. So I'm just outside the box, I guess. Um, you know, we have to uncover that activity that you are. What do you doing? Do you sell Playboys? No, it, it the, drugs. The, 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 no, no, definitely not drugs. The, the short, the short answer is it was a it was a, a scam that I was able to figure out by finding loopholes at certain businesses um, and and exploiting it. it it was there. It's I don't know. It's the same as I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> if it's there, you take advantage of it, um, and until they can fix it. Um, and anyway, put a couple extra did, bucks did you in my pocket. Money? Oh yeah, of course. So that wouldn't have done it if, if it wasn't worth doing. I wouldn't have done I it. I see. And that's where kind of where you decided to be a CFO. Or <laughs> <laughs> when you figure out there are loopholes that you can make. There money. are. There's always tax loopholes and loopholes and everything. You just got to take advantage. I see. Um, and um, you know, you, you play sports and, and play in a team environment, whether it's baseball, whether it's uh, basketball. Yeah. Um, what What did as as looking back in hindsight, like team sport, what kind of uh, character it helps you build? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I mean, every team's always different. And all the, all the people you have on your team are going to be different. But and, and different people you rely on different ways. Um, some people are more role players, and some people are you know the hard workers, and some are you know a little bit lazy. But Where it makes you- the team work. And it's the same as the 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 bar industry and the oil and gas field. You know, certain people fit differently and you use them for different things um, and, and take advantage of the strengths and, and, and play off some weaknesses when you need to. Where were you in that scale? Oh, always strong. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess more on the leadership side. Um, Captain of the team? Yeah, but maybe not the best player, but I think as a role model for maybe some of the younger players or... Yeah, I would say that. So you, you said you weren't probably the best player on the team but hardworking, dedicated loyal yeah how do you describe I, I, yourself in that, in that team environment in that growing up as a teenager yeah no i, I think hard working would describe it um no that, yeah definitely uh, but yeah definitely not the best player but always there to support other people and, and and always always there to help out i see and um so if i call your uh, basketball coach and I said, hey, you remember Darren Moles? He probably you? forget me. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to forget you or he no. forgot you? <laughs> He's probably forgot me by now. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm sure he remembers if you were hardworking. What will he say if I ask him about your character? About I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, what, what, what do your teammates will say? Um, that I like to joke around a lot and have some fun uh, and keep it light and easy, um, I, I think. And that... Uh, um, I think they would appreciate that we did work well as a team and we got along quite well. We had some great friends at the time and it was a lot of fun. So, you know, people talk a lot about in, in, in sport, the world of sports about the locker room, mm-hmm. the relationship in the locker room, the leaders in the lo- locker room. Um, where, How can you describe your role in that locker room? Uh, yeah, always bringing people up, making them feel good. You know, uh, bad things happen sometimes and you got to make sure that you you pick people up when they need to be. Um, again, same thing that happens in real life, and especially at this bar, right? Um, sometimes service doesn't go as well as others. People get down on themselves, but you got to pick them up and, and make sure that you know you focus on what comes next and how do you grow from there. I see. And then um, you know you graduated high school, or you realized that there are loopholes that uh, you know you you want to be in business, and you go to U of S. You didn't want to kind of uh, leave home and go somewhere else for university. 
well, I did, I guess. Uh, my first um, I, my first year of school, I actually went to Medicine Hat College, uh, so that doesn't show up on your research. But uh, <laughs> I went there first, and again, I, I maybe it was a loophole at the time, but my, my grades were not good. They never have been. Um, couldn't get into U of S, so I got into Medicine Hat. Uh, took me three semesters to do two, <laughs> but that. Uh, but then after you finished one year, I was able to transfer back to the U of S um, with having less than stellar grades. Um, yeah, yeah. So then I was able to get back in. So in, in Medicine Hat, you said uh, two semesters, two to three. Was it extra curriculum work or it's uh, social work? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably a bit of bit of everything, but never a strong student. Um, I mean, not that I didn't want to put in the work. I just for some reason couldn't get over that hump of getting things, you know. It was always a 69 average, and it was good enough to get by, uh, but not great enough to do anything else. <laughs> Except for accounting, that was easy. I see. Oh, okay, that's the one. That that's I, the one. It was it was easy numbers. It made sense to me. Uh, yeah, French and English and that kind of stuff. History, not nah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you choose them? I had no choice. You gotta take those ones. <laughs> I see. I see. And uh, so you finally get to U of S, your dream, and uh, you go through uh, four years. Uh, or it took you five years. Took me five. Yeah, it took me five. Okay, we need to figure I, out. I didn't. What's going I didn't on. lose any more time. <laughs> I see. And uh, you graduate. You have your uh, uh, commerce degree, and, and and what's next? What's the next step that you do with the degree? Um, yeah, I, I mean, so my my major was was accounting, um, and so from there, kind of, what's the next step? What do you do? I mean, most people. Um, I believe it's still the case. Uh, you you apply to try to work for one of the big accounting firms. At the time, there was more of them around, but um, that was it. And, and I knew that I didn't want to stay in Saskatoon, um, and so the option was, I think Calgary was probably the best. At the time, the economy was doing okay, and they were hiring. Every year, they would hire X number of grads from, from the U of S. And you joined? Joined PwC, yeah, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Now, that was a funny story, too. Another loophole. Although, I guess what I'm calling loophole. Just something that you you put your mind to it and you can figure some things out. Um, my grades, like I said, they were they were terrible. I couldn't get interviews uh, at a lot of places. Um, so I heard they were doing a slow pitch tournament with the University of Calgary, all the, the big accounting firms. So I drove from Saskatoon overnight and crashed the the slow, the slow pitch tournament, uh, met some people, and ended up picking up some interviews out of it, and away we go. I see. And uh, how did you do in that game? I don't really remember. All I know is I got a job after. So, <laughs> was, was the job interview on the pitch? No, no, definitely not. No. <laughs> uh, it was um, anyway. It was worth. It was worth the drive. Uh, put in the effort. Came down. Met the right people. Had the right beers with the right people, and away we go. So uh, beers were, were already doing the job. 20 years ago. Absolutely. 15 years ago. Absolutely. <laughs> I see. And that's why... We should have one, by the way. Yeah, yeah. We are going to have one uh, soon. Uh, we are kind of... Uh, I have a couple of more questions before, before we go into our first uh, uh, commercial break. As you know, we, we also have to do some commercials. Um, so, you joined PwC, and you joined PwC in the auditing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think most of the hires do go into audit. I, think, I guess a few do get hired straight into tax, but it was auditing, yeah. And how did you enjoy that or not? I, I actually liked it. I mean, you work in your small little team of two to six colleagues and you go sit in a room and <laughs> stare at papers and look 
looking at numbers over and over and over. I don't know. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you you enjoyed criti- criticizing other people's it, work? Yeah, because <laughs> I was always making mistakes, not getting things right. I was like, look at these guys. They can't do it right either. <laughs> it's easier to find someone else's mistakes than to get it right every time by yourself. Oh, I see. And, and uh, so, so how long did you do that? Uh, I spent six years. Started in Calgary, uh, transferred down to St. Louis, um, and then transferred to Houston when the Enron crap happened, and then okay. uh, and then back to back to Calgary. You were you, you didn't audit Enron? No, no, I was down there after the fact. Yeah, they were short staffed. It was chaos, so I had to go rescue things. No, I, they just needed bodies, warm bodies. So I went down to Houston. I see. Yeah. And how were your experiences south of the border? Oh, I loved it. Um, it was nice to see some new places. Uh, St. Louis was a, was a great town for me. Um, they have a lot of manufacturing clients, so auditing those, we would always have to travel around to, I think I made it to almost every state. Um, maybe not always the best cities in the world, but there's some really tiny ones that we had to, you know, eat at gas stations and whatnot. But it was still fun, it was a good experience to see, you know, different cultures, different people, a different way of life. Um, and then Houston, uh, big city, um, completely opposite of a lot of other places I'd seen. Uh, much bigger than Saskatoon, where I grew up, and a lot bigger than Calgary. Um, but it was again good, good to see. Um, understood that I didn't really like the really hot weather, <laughs> but I survived for a couple of years there. Uh, you prefer this? Look outside yeah, the window. <laughs> I, yeah, not quite this. But, but after the last couple of hot days, it doesn't mind mind to cool it down just a bit. Anyway, uh, the hot uh, the hot weather is coming back tomorrow. We have to take our uh, first commercial break. Uh, make sure to open a new tab on your computer uh, and check uh, vagabondcalgary.com. Scroll through the beer, ban- uh, beer bunker uh, page and find out uh, their support to the local breweries. And we will be back with you shortly after the commercial. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back here with our guest, uh, Darren Walls, owner of uh, Vagabund Calgary uh, Restaurant and CFO of uh, the oil and gas industry. <laughs> and probably, you could, do you control the price of oil? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay, this, I just wanted to know if it will help. Um, so you worked for six years at PwC, PricewaterhouseCooper, um, and then you traveled Houston, uh, sorry, Calgary, St. Louis, Houston, and what happened? Why did you leave? What's wrong with PwC? Uh, there was nothing wrong with it. I, qu- I quite enjoyed it. Um, it was, um, I mean, the, the real reason was um, when I moved down to the U.S. Uh, <laughs> again, <laughs> loopholes or whatever we want to call it shortcuts um, the uh, well what used to be the, the chartered accountant the CA designation in Canada uh, very difficult exam um, I knew that I wouldn't be able to pass so moving down to st. Louis and do the CPA which is a multiple choice test no problem so um, went down there and had my CPA uh, so when I came back to Calgary um, the only way I could advance uh, with with PwC would have been with if I would have got my CA as well, and I knew that I, that probably wouldn't happen. And after six years of being in school, there's no way I wanted to start studying again. So it was time to start looking for something else. So I think we should change this uh, the title of the interview from a serial entrepreneur to a serial loophole finder. <laughs> well, sometimes it works. Gotta take advantage when you can. Yeah, that's perfect. That's, yeah. that's a good, like, I'm, I'm right. I'm taking notes here. <laughs> um, how did you get to the oil and gas industry? Was there an outside influencer? Uh, was it uh, something that happened? Or no, I think another loophole. No, I think it was just because I was in Houston, and, and a lot of my clients after I had moved there, and when I got back to Calgary, they were oil and gas. So you know, you kind of get you kind of get used to that industry, and you kind of look towards doing that at least it was from my perspective it was something i enjoyed i thought it was i thought it was intriguing um and then when i i started looking for work i was able to uh i started working with centurion energy uh i met the guys from there um they needed a controller they were expanding they were growing and um it was an international uh uh, oil and gas company uh, with assets at the time in tunisia that they were selling and then also in egypt 
Um, and I'd never been really overseas. I traveled over the U.S. with PwC. I was like, well, this could be kind of cool going over there and, and expanding um, again. Um, so it was a great opportunity. Um, jumped at it, and that's how it all kind of all started. And uh, when you started with MP, did you actually travel as the CFO? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess when oh, I started, you stayed in the office and crunched numbers. No, no, uh, no. We had we had a big staff in in Cairo. Um, I think over the three years that I worked with them, I think I think I went eighteen or nineteen times, um, and that um, yeah, was great. Um, love love the country, love the people. Um, still connect with a few of them, uh, not as much as I'd like to, but you know things do change over the years. That was quite a long time ago as well. Now. Um, in those countries, the Muslim countries, yep. is beer allowed? It is. You can find it certain places. I see. It's <laughs> not <you> readily available. <laughs> and you found those places. Of course. <laughs> I see. You know, looking back to your six years in, in uh, PwC, with PwC in, in uh, auditing, um, what did you gain that you brought into your new role working now in the public and private sectors of, of the market? Hmm. Uh, I, I guess I. That's a good question. I'm not actually sure. I gotta think about it now. Um, I guess I guess from the perspective of preparing financial statements and and, and and looking at those types of things, knowing that what the auditors were looking for and where the the common I don't know trip ups are, maybe maybe that kind of helped me on that perspective as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I control environment, understanding you know what what controls you can put in place to, to mitigate your risk, um, seeing what other people have done before, and, and if we can, you know, implement some of those things as you go wherever I joined next. I think it kind of helped out to solidify what people were doing uh, to make sure things weren't being done incorrectly. Earlier in our first uh, kind of uh, session of yeah. the uh, episode, yeah, we were kind of joking about uh, how great it was to audit other people. Yeah. How is how is the change from being an auditor to decision making process to be responsible for decision, accountable, and knowing that someone is going to audit your decisions? Yeah, it's it's definitely different. And when the auditors show up, we don't really like it because they know you're going to catch some stuff, and then you feel terrible about it because. At this stage, whatever, I'm 41 and they're coming in at 23 and they're finding your mistakes and you feel kind of bad about it, but it is what it is. <laughs> so, uh, did you prepare yourself uh, to every audit and uh, no, you, you knew the levels they were I, looking for? I think I think the, when the auditors come to visit me, they uh, they know that I, I uh, don't always prepare my stuff perfectly, but it's, it's good enough to get done. Um, and uh, I guess I could do a better job of helping them out with preparing my papers better, but... I have to ask you a personal question. Sure. You just uh, you just mentioned that uh, you you don't prepare and you knew you're not going to pass. It's too tough, and you weren't a good student. Is it an ADD issue, ADHD? I uh, I, I wouldn't focus. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think there was a I think that was the good thing with um, with, with Price Waterhouse Coopers as well, is because you're working on so many clients at the same time or jumping around. Get my mind active, mm-hmm. um, and for some reason I can focus on numbers. Um, and then uh, I guess even later in my career, after I moved away from um, a couple of my first oil and gas jobs, I was doing I think I was a CFO of six companies at the same time, um, and it was fun for me to juggle multiple things, just like I do now with having the other jobs that I do, plus having this and living my life. Anyway, I think I think I need the break from other things 
because I can't focus enough on one. So yeah. jumping around. One job is not good enough. Yeah. But I think. You have too much spare time. Yeah. I see. Okay. So yes, I could have something like that, but <laughs> never been diagnosed. I see. Uh, we, we, we may diagnose you today yes. during this uh, show. Um, did you serve both public and private uh, companies or just private companies as uh, a CFO? Yeah, both. both. Yeah. yeah, currently right now with PetroPhoenix, they are private. Um, I think maybe the medium-term goal may be to go public, but uh, uncertain at this stage. But um, no, it's, been, it's been both for sure. And, and where, do you kind of, where did you enjoy more? What did you enjoy? What environment did you enjoy more? The public arena being on a... I guess as a CFO, you sit on the board, in the board. Uh, yeah, in the meetings anyway. Yeah, yeah. And which arena you you had more fun? You were more comfortable? Both. I'm talking both professionally and in terms of yeah, I culture. Don't, I don't know if I really noticed that there is a, a, a massive difference uh, between one of the other. Um, I think the experience has been pretty much the same in in, in both of the alternatives. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really see a difference as far as like an operations or you know day to day. I mean, there obviously is differences between them being you know the public markets, but um, I, I guess I've never worked on a private company that didn't act like a public company with you know doing its you know financial statements and notes and making sure that you're you know read at that at any point in time you could go public, so you're always on the cusp of having the things you need. So I don't, I, I, for me, I, I don't think I have, I see a difference. And so, if you have to rank today the priority or uh, of the companies you're busy with, uh, how does it work? What's the ranking? Oh, uh, they can't be all at the same level. Well, so now I'm just down to the two, uh, which is Vagabond and Petrophoenix. A couple of months ago, I was I was still working with a couple other guys. Um, I think now with with Vagabond growing the way it is, uh, and with Stampede coming up, I think my time I need to put more time in here. Um, and then, so I would say three hours a day, seven days a week for Petro Phoenix. So I will go to the office on the weekends every day and I'll go in in the morning, um, spend my afternoons here at the, at the restaurant. And if I need to be here at night, depending on what's going on, then I'll be here. Um, and do you do financial statements with beer or yeah, before, yeah. before you drink beer? No, no, with them, <laughs> with them, have to. Any influence on the numbers after a few, after a few pints? <laughs> they look better later at night. <laughs> I see. We won't go to those jokes. What looks better after a few years, right? Um, in the uh, in 2015 uh, or end of 2014, uh, we started seeing the decline in oil price, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of accelerated during 2015 and uh, early 2016. And, more, more or less at the same time you bought Vagabond. Yeah. So diversify. Was there <laughs> That's a kind risky of, business? Was there kind of an uh, you know influence uh, because of uh, the activity went down in the oil and gas, or it was that something that you always wanted to to do? No, I, I don't know. I mean, growing up, uh, my first job was at McDonald's. I wouldn't say that was the driving force for, for me to be owning a restaurant. Well, I enjoyed it. Um, but I, and I've worked at a number of restaurants earlier on, like in university and whatnot, but um, that was never a, hey, I want to do that at some point in my life, especially on this scale. Like you always think about, well, I would say always, but I had had the thoughts of, you know, it'd be kind of cool to have a small little place, you know, with 30 seats. 
this is definitely not that. This is a monster. Um, but uh, the opportunity was there. Um, I, I mean, I live upstairs. Um, I've lived in this building eight years, and there have been a number of restaurants that have come and gone through here. And just, you know, being maybe not regular because they weren't the greatest places to come to, uh, but understanding what they did, maybe correct or not incorrect. Um, and I don't know, give it a shot, see how it goes. Risk taking, so, I don't mind it. Um, except of, you know, your experience with McDonald's, what kind of experience, other experience did you have in the, in the hospitality industry? Uh, yeah, I worked at uh, Boston Pizza as well, in the kitchen, always in the kitchen. And then I worked at a golf and country club in Saskatoon in the kitchen again. So you never ran a hospitality place? Oh, no, 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 never, not even close. And you, and you just said, it's one of my questions uh, further down, but we'll move it up because you mentioned it, that you live in this building, which uh, is a high rise above the restaurant yeah. uh, for eight years. And there were a few operators here that were not successful. So what made you think that from your experience in the kitchen, you can do a better job that you bought this place? I think if from, from my perspective, in my mind, it came down to, can I run this as a formula? If I know what my fixed cost and what my variable cost should be, I knew how many how many butts and cheap uh, in seats that I needed to make sure that I could make this work. Um, understanding what your margins are, understanding your labor cost, and focusing on the formulas of the numbers to try to make it work. It wasn't always obviously you have to have a good product, you have to have good people, um, and and that'll I think you can do that anywhere. But focusing on the numbers and growing it the opposite way than other people do, um, to me I, I just felt I could make it work. So basically what you're saying that you're running the restaurant as a CFO, not a chef, not a cook, not someone that has a dream. Yeah. You run it based as your, your profession as a CFO. Uh, yeah, I think so. Because uh, a lot of people uh, have a different experience where they've been in the industry a long time uh, and, they, and they understand how to run a business too. Um, my take on it, I think, is a little bit different. Um, I'm not saying mine's the right way or the wrong way. Um, but for me, I, I felt that I could do it that way. I've seen some some businesses run where just because they've been in the industry that long, they you know they they run it based on loose controls and, and things don't work for them and money disappears. Um, I'm not saying things don't disappear around here. Yeah, um, yeah. But you, if you if you're looking at things the correct way, you can you can manage and identify some problems in advance um, with numbers. So when you say that the opportunity uh, presented itself, that was that someone that was uh, you know. Uh, do you have partners uh, to start? Do you, do you have partners now, or you just uh, you knew it's for sale and you said uh, you know let let nah, me it wasn't even for sale. Um, the business was struggling. They were a couple months behind on rent, and I know John Tarot, uh, who you know as well. Uh, he he owns the space with Strategic. Um, so knowing that the the old guys were behind, I, I went to John, had a meeting with him and said, hey, why don't you evict these guys? I'll take the space over, sign a new lease. So I really didn't buy the place. I just started a new business. So it's a zero dollar entry fee. So, you know, you come from the oil and gas, you're still in the oil and gas, and you come down into the hospitality side of running in hospitality, not working in the kitchen. Uh, what do you know now that you didn't know two and a half years ago when you bought it? <laughs> Holy, I think a lot of things. It's a long list? Oh, yeah. We and have three minutes and, before the next oh, break. <laughs> and the, the most common question I get is, what's the hardest part? And it's the people. Um, but we've been very lucky here over the last two and a half years to have uh, a, a great group of, of, of people. 
obviously people come and go and, and people do grow into, you know, obviously I didn't stay in the restaurant business being a cook all that time. Things changed over time, but we do have a lot of people who've been here a long time uh, and put in a lot of effort and we and we run it more of a, as a family place than than a, a normal normal restaurant would be uh, like my, my parents work here my niece is down for stampede from saskatchewan to help out you know it's it's uh it's more of a family environment than i think maybe some other uh, bars and restaurants are i see and uh how does how did the last two uh, when was it two years two and a half years three years two and a half two and a half how how did it how is it going so far uh if you would have asked me after year one i would have said why am i doing this uh year two finished um made some money in year two uh now year three is is growing the right direction as well uh, and that's and that's great i mean the, the real goal for me uh, and i've said it to, to a number of people is if i can keep 25 people employed uh eat and drink for free um and break even then i think i have succeeded um it's this is not about you know making a, a bunch of money obviously if i can make it that's great but it's more about providing a place for my community, Victoria Park here in Calgary and near the Stampede Grounds, to, to have, you know, the people in my neighborhood, my regulars from the building, that we can have a place to hang out. Um, and then, you know, giving all these people a, a, ch a chance to have a, a steady job and know that we can last here. Um, that's really the goal. Um, the other side, I just want to find some oil so I can make, that's where the money is. <laughs> <laughs> See, and then they will be vagabond too because you'll get bored. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, you're too not, much. You're not going to franchise like a one Calgary? No, no I, I, I wouldn't envision it. I, I, I couldn't see it being that type of place. But yeah, I, I don't know. You never know. Uh, yeah, not, not, not in the plans. So uh, I guess you're staying in the building. Yeah, living yeah. in the building. It's easy to uh, come down the stairs and yeah. Get, Check it's whether and everything it's is easy going to get well. drunk and get home because I just take an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't have a problem of drinking and driving. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you push the wrong button at the elevator. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, that would be dangerous as well. So uh, we have to take, uh, there, thanks. Uh, we have to take our second uh, commercial break. And uh, I, I would like people to, our listeners, to open a new tab and check uh, the charity that we're working with. Uh, Project Warmth. Uh, it's projectwarmth.com. Uh, see how you can help. There's a whole page of how people can help them. It's a great cause, a great charity, and we'll uh, meet you here in three minutes uh, on the other side of the commercial. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I-Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with our guest, uh, Darren Moulds, owner of uh, Vagabond Calgary Restaurant. And um, Darren, we, we talked about uh, how you purchased Vagabond, or, or it was a different name before, uh, and, it, and and now that you are in year three, um, and, and we discussed that the previous uh, operators, for different reasons, uh, were not successful in bringing it to the level that you know it will be a recognized name in Calgary. What are you guys doing different in that that you made already money in year two and you'll probably retire after three years? Year three. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I think the the two of the of the prior uh, restaurants that were here, they were. Um, higher-end uh, dining establishments, and because this neighborhood is still growing, uh, I mean, it is close to downtown, but there's not that many um, residents, um, I think for it to be a high-end space with this many seats, it was just too much overhead, and you couldn't get enough people in the door. Uh, they had they had some great menus, and, 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 and I'm sure they ran it well. I didn't, I didn't know the people, but I just don't think it, the neighborhood was ready to support what it had. Um, the third guys that were here just before me um, was very similar to this. You know, it was it was beer and it was a uh, um, you know um, not a, not a fancy menu. It's gonna have pizzas and burgers and you know the normal kind of pub fare stuff. Um, I just think that they didn't focus on the customer service. Um, I also don't think that they understood how to manage the money. Um, I remember days coming in and they only had two of their taps working because they couldn't afford to buy enough beer. Like. It's more about you know making sure you can have a consistent product and, and, and take care of people. I see. And and you're doing something different uh, this Stampede because Stampede Stampede is known for the number the number one items being sold during Stampede is beer. I think and, so. And uh, you have all those big international conglomerates of beer that are controlling the Stampede grounds and and I would say most of the Stampede venues in Calgary. What are you guys doing different this year and how is it going so far? Yeah, I mean, we made this the decision um, that uh, we, we, we wanted to get away from you know selling the, the, the big guy's beer. Um, 
I, I wanted to give the, the local breweries a chance to you know showcase what we have. We have a lot of visitors that come to Calgary to see the Stampede, um, and they can buy their Budweiser anywhere. Why don't you come here and have some good Village Brewery or you know Wild Rose and, and enjoy some good stuff uh, instead of it being forced on your throat and it's a, you have to have it because it's the only thing available. Um, and the local guys, it creates jobs here. What more do we want? Why, why are we paying someone else to, you know? And, and maybe there are jobs that are created indirectly from, you know, selling the big guy stuff. But end of the day, that money is leaving Alberta and leaving Calgary. Um, when we can buy local like this, it's going to help everyone um, locally, especially in the in tough economic times. So, so um, is it one brewery that controls your stampede, or you have, the, uh, you have different breweries that participate in this? Yeah, so we went to all Calgary beers this year for Stampede. Uh, there are 10 breweries that we are um, featuring, um, and you know, every day of Stampede on the front side, we have taps that are you know the same throughout. Uh, we have another kind of party room called the Beer Bunker. Uh, every day, we're focusing on a different one, so it's more of a tasting room. Uh, where like today is Villages Day, uh, and so if you come down, they, we will be featuring a couple of different Village Brewery um, uh, uh, beers in that room. So it's 8:46, and we mentioned when we started the show that the rule, the new rule in Alberta, is that we can start drinking at eight, drinks the beer, and I haven't had a beer yet. So are we going to taste the beer now? Yeah, absolutely, we can <laughs> before we go through the first hour. Like, we can't, uh, we have to walk our talk, right? <laughs> um, so, while we ask for us, uh, for one of the servers to get us beer, um, any regrets along the way? Anything that you kind of look in line hindsight and say, oh, I should have done this differently, I should have bought Vagabond before, become an entrepreneur before? Uh, I don't know if I would say that. I think the only regret... mistakes. Maybe not regrets. Oh, mistakes. mistakes. Yeah, there's tons of those. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, let's stick with two it, questions. Regrets and then we'll move to mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think mistake-wise, I think um, because I was new to the industry, it would have been good for me to have some experience in it prior to uh, jumping in. Um, there were some people that we didn't quite, um, you know, get the value out of. Uh, it was unfortunate because you believe some people to, to have knowledge that you're going to be able to grow with, but um, but yeah, live and learn, right? I, I, I mean, sometimes you'd always get matched up with the right people, and as long as you can figure it out before it, uh, it takes too long, uh, and then make some good decisions from there. Again, it comes down to people. Yeah, you keep on coming to back to the that topic of people, mm -hmm. and how do you treat your, your people here? Because this industry is known for uh, almost a revolving door. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know. It's a question you might have to ask them, but I think because we don't have that much turnover that they actually enjoy being here. Um, you know, we, we definitely have very busy times and peaks. Uh, we're not like a normal restaurant because of our neighborhood being so small. We do get big rushes, for, obviously, for Stampede. It accounts for a massive amount of our, our annual revenue. Uh, but being that close to the Saddle Dome, where you know there's concerts and 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 NHL hockey and, and, and lacrosse, we get rushes, and so I think I think people like you know coming in, working there three hours, and, and making a bunch of money and getting out. I see. Do you do any extra kind of uh, cultural thing with your employees, or just stay? I mean, obviously, I'll have a few drinks from time to time with them, um, but nothing, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary. I see. Um, so coming from an industry, you know, a lot of people 
uh, at a certain age in their life have this dream of having a pub, owning a pub, <laughs> owning yeah. a restaurant, uh, whether they, it doesn't matter what kind of other industries they're involved in, they see a little bit, when they make a little bit of money, they, yeah, yeah. that's their dream, right? Yeah. Especially men, I would say. Yes. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I hear the Sandra. comment a lot by people. Uh, we just got served our first beer of the day. Uh, well, what cheers are, and happy snatching. Cheers. So what are we having? This, this, the this looks like really blonde. blonde. Yeah. I think, yeah, it is. Oh, this is good. There we go. 847, 848, my first beer. <laughs> um, and I have a long day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have a long week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have a long day here. Um, sorry. Um, I, I kind of lost my, uh, when I saw the beer, I lost yeah. my train of thought, but uh, we'll go back. So, you know, everyone has a dream. And I personally, I'm a little bit older than you. Ten years ago, I had the dream. Yeah. Uh, what is your recommendation to someone who did it, who moved from, you know, not moved, stayed it through to your yeah, industry branched out to something and like branched that. out to, yeah. And, yeah. and you do it alone, right? You don't have a partner. Oh, you do have no, no. Wow. Well, I mean, I obviously have the, the people that are working on here. Uh, Megan's always here. Sorry, Megan's always here, and she kind of takes care of things too. Uh, and my parents always help out, so there's always that support network. Uh, but yeah, own it for yeah. sure. Um, uh, advice: um, Don't trust everyone, uh, but don't distrust everyone either. You, you got to find the good in people and make sure that that you're watching what needs to be watched. Focus on the numbers. Um, and don't let the product slip away. Don't let the money slip away. You got to stay focused, and it's a it's a seven day a week job, uh, and you have to be willing to commit. Um, there is a lot of time and effort that needs to be put in, um, and it's all over the place in the front of the house, back of the house. You know, maintenance wise, things have to get taken care of. Um, you know, and if you don't ask someone to do it, they're not going to do it. And if you don't pay attention to small details, then you can run yourself into a lot of trouble as well. I see, but uh, the experience so far has been good for you. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I've met a lot of great people, uh, made a lot of great friendships along the way as well. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's definitely been uh, a great experience for me. Cheers again. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> We're going now to a new system every question will have cheers okay <laughs> as long as we're not doing shots after every yeah, question yeah, yeah. <laughs> no shots yet uh we're a few hours early <laughs> um, uh, on, a, on a positive note um, if you had today uh, to mentor someone that wants to get into business and become an entrepreneur and it doesn't matter whether it's a hospitality industry or, or any other industry um both as a Experienced CFO, experienced uh, now as a, as a restaurant owner, what kind of advice you can give, positive advice you can give someone that wants to become an entrepreneur to help them avoid some of the mistakes you have done along the way? Well, I, 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 for me, and I'm a strong believer of taking risks, uh, if you don't take one, you're never going to know. Don't be afraid to fail. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You just get up and keep trying, right? Um, so a lot of people do that. I think they get down on themselves and don't think they can, they can, you know, I don't know, make the next step or do something different because they're happy and stable in what they have. And I'm not saying drop everything and go do things. I mean, take a calculated risk, but um, don't be afraid to do it. If you believe in it and you think you can make it work, then why not give it a shot? Um, I want to ask you one question because uh, you, you mentioned earlier 
we, we discussed whether it's ADD or any other reason that you, uh, you, you don't focus on it. Your decisions, being a CFO and being not focused completely on stuff, which is a, a little bit of a oxymoron. Yeah, yeah. Your decisions are brain-driven or gut-driven? I think brain. No, yeah. No, not a lot of gut. Um, there's always, always thinking about something. Yeah, no, rarely on the gut. Um, the only time I think the gut comes into play is when you're, you know, dealing with people again with people because sometimes you just have to understand whether they're going to be good for you or bad for you but actual decisions about you know x versus y then the brain takes over yeah Mm -hmm. um any final advice to our listeners one advice that kind of stands above all is it (laughs) i don't know if there's one thing that i could say uh just don't be afraid to take a risk during the process when you look in the mirror, what have you learned about yourself? Oh, that I can probably um, try something else and succeed. Um, so if this doesn't work, although it has worked so far, but if it, it turns a different way, um, I think there's always an opportunity somewhere else to do something else. Uh, I, whether, I don't know what that would be, but uh, I, I think knowing that I've been able to do a number of different things and gone through some good times and bad times with you know, oil going up, oil going down, um, I think I I believe in myself enough that I I could take another risk on something else. And uh, is oil going up again? Well, I don't want it to yet. <laughs> There's good buys out there. Come on. <laughs> oh, I see. So <laughs> I'm one of those. <laughs> oh, okay. The loophole guy is speaking now. <laughs> That's right. Um, my last question. We have a minute before we have sure. to close uh, the first hour for. What is the one thing you're proud of? Proud of? Yeah, what is the one thing in your life that you're proud of? One thing that stands above all. Yeah, I'm a terrible guy for this because I'm not really good at saying nice things about myself. I beat myself up a lot of pretty hard on myself. So I don't know if I can really say anything. Um, I'm sure you can. I I have a nice shoe collection. I'm proud of it. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know. That's a tough one. I'm not good at at praising myself or other people sometimes too. so yeah, I don't know if there's anything that stands out that I can say. You know, something you're proud of, you don't have to talk about yourself, but something you're proud of. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, we'll come back to it in our second hour. <laughs> uh, I want to remind our listeners that we have today a two-hour show, and our, we'll be back here at 10 a.m. Uh, Mountain Time, 9, 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific Time. Uh, if you're in Calgary, please join us for breakfast at Vagabond Calgary at 1129 Olympic Way Southeast across from the Stampede uh, entrance and it's in support of Project Warmth. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and connect with us on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you at dvwalk at gmail.com and we'll meet you here in an hour. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.